Old Wood Limited is proudly manufacturing all of their wood plank flooring in Magnolia, Ohio. For over 24 years, they have been crafting antique, reclaimed, and domestic wide plank flooring and continue to be the leader in the industry. Current offerings include unfinished and pre-finished, solid and engineered, custom colors, and custom finishes. For more information, you can visit their website at oldwoodlimited.com, spelled O-L-D-E-W-O-O-D-L-T-D.com, or call 866-208-9663. Hey, this is Brett Miller with another episode of Wood Talk, an NWFA podcast. Uh, today, I want to introduce a good friend of mine and a, uh, a veteran in this industry, a veteran of 25 years in this industry, contractor out of uh, Chicago who has become a technical representative and trainer for a manufacturer. I'd like to introduce Toby Merrill of Duraseal. Uh, Toby, welcome to, uh, to Wood Talk. Thanks, Brett. I, I appreciate you taking the time to jump on and, and uh, talk a little bit. I think it's, I think you've made good rounds in this industry. You, you have a lot of people who know who you are, whether it be from training or whether it be through you know our schools or through social media, or you know more recently over the last couple of years through your through your employment with and, and exposure with with Duraseal working as a technical sales rep. Do you want to introduce yourself? Just kind of give a little bit of a background of you know who you are, how you got into this industry, and and kind of your journey through the wood flooring trade from 25 years ago. Sure. So I started in 1995 uh, working for my brother Dave, who still is doing wood floors as well. He's a great craftsman. I worked for Dave for about eight years until I started my company, which was Walk On Wood, and I. Uh, continued that for, I believe, 14 years. In that time, I kind of discovered the NWFA training and attended a couple classes with my brother. We went to two one-day workshops, and I believe it was 2012, if I'm not mistaken. And they were advanced to expert workshops uh, that included hand scraping, dyeing, um, just some neat topics that I hadn't really been too expo exposed to before. Yeah, and I, that led to wanting to take more classes. So the first convention that I would have would have gone to, I actually missed because my son was about to be born. Um, so that was Dallas, I think, 2013. And I might have that year one year. No, that, that's, no, year, that's right, right. 2013. That's right. Um, yeah, it dates off of my son's birth. So that's easy to remember. So, but that, that year I started attending classes uh, or going to additional classes. And I started with intermediate schools as WFA, uh, the people do. And I really enjoyed it. I right away asked if there's anything I could do to help out. That led to being like an assistant to a couple of very experienced guys, Wayne Lee and Daniel Boone at a um, Santa Fe school. And then later I went to attended the advanced install school and the master craftsman school and thus was asked uh, if I'd like to be a regional instructor for the NWFA. So I think I first did a like a guest instructor spot at an advanced school. And after that was asked to be an, an, a regional instructor which I did for, I believe, 10 classes over the course of a year. Um, that takes us right. to about three and a half years ago, um, 2017, when I started with Duraseal as a contractor specialist, which, mean, which meant that I didn't do so much on the sales side, but more worked with contractors on the technical side, problem solving, uh, preventing problems, things like that. That's perfect. And yeah, that's, uh, it's funny that timeline 
specific to your involvement with NWFA, I remember very clearly also, matter of fact, that first school that you and Dave came to, the, uh, I think we, I think it was called the advanced to expert level class or something like that, where it was a bunch of one day workshops. That was the first, first time I had met both of you guys. Um, and I was brand new to NWFA. That was probably the first class that I was involved with working alongside Frank Krupa. And, uh, I, I, I remember specifically getting to know you and Dave. And then I think it was uh, a little bit after that, met you guys out in Las Vegas at uh, Surfaces, along with Chris Zizza, and, and we all had a chance to sit down and talk, which was a lot of fun, memorable. Yep, that's that's exactly right. <laughs> but you're right, and I think that's one of the big things with, with why I, I, I really appreciate having you on. And, and I think it's that journey that uh, a lot of guys in our industry are, you know, such great craftsmen. And um, when you started coming through, it was obvious, you know, you had a, a similar background to, you know, to, to, to me and to a lot of other people that I know in this industry. So we could all kind of nudge elbows and talk shop pretty easily. And yeah, when we asked you to start assisting as an instructor, it was clear that you had a way with people, you had a way of projecting yourself and teaching. And it was a natural passion, which was just great. And that's something that's really not too common the advanced installation school was, um, and I'm thinking of the, the class that you were at where we worked on those classroom floors. We had some raw material back there and, and we milled it down and we planned it out and we installed a pretty extensive floor over the course of, uh, of a week. Um, that was, that was a rough week. That was quite a class that we did on that one. Yeah, We, we were ambitious and, uh, it was it was a tremendous amount of man hours that went into that one. What do you recall about that class? I mean, I, I remember the people very vividly. We had such a great group of people there. But what do you remember about that that class? What I remember most about the class is the people that were there with me. Um, because I think that when you take a class and work side by side with someone – it's much like working side by side with them on a, a job and that you get to know them in a way that you wouldn't otherwise, you know, you can't do it on social media. You can't do it at convention, sitting at a bar, you know, when you work side by side, you, you learn how they work, how they think, you know, what they're good at, what they're not good at. And, you know, all of us have those, you know, we have our, our high points and our low points. Um, I don't think I was ever the most talented guy in the room. I just kind of refused to accept that and always pushed to be as good as I could be. And so, you know, some of the guys that were there, I remember Keith Long was there helping out with the class and uh, Kim and Oz, um, Marcos, you know, it's just, it leads to an experience that goes beyond the work that's being done. You get to know people and these are guys that I still talk to regularly, you know, in the industry. Right. Absolutely. Well, and, 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 you know, I love what you had just said and that's, so true of of why you're such a good teacher and what it really takes for somebody to step into this industry and step into a strong position. And what you just said is so key. And that is, I never considered myself the best in the room, but I always wanted to get there. That's what I was striving towards. To me, that's that's key. And I don't think anybody who was in that class or from that day, fast forward on to any of our intermediate to advanced to expert level classes, 
Anybody who comes in and thinks that they're just the best in the room and has that aura about themselves quickly gets knocked down. And and some sure. some knock down a little bit harder than others, and some maybe don't accept that. But um, one of the beauties in this industry is that there are very few people like that. Just about everybody in our industry is here to learn. Everybody who gets engaged jumps in to learn, and and that's that's key. I mean, I think back there at that class, we were all learning from each other. And I think, you know, you and I joke about it from time to time, anytime we get together on one of these schools, especially during the planning phase. But I think the most dangerous phase that there's phrase that can be stated is, you know, what would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was always led to bad things because <laughs> it meant we didn't really know what we were doing, but we thought we wanted to do it. And that often led to, you know, down roads that we couldn't always finish. So or roads that, that we did figure it out and we did something that, that, you know, that we kind of blew ourselves away with. Sure. So the other thing, and, and this is, this is one of the important aspects of, of your journey that I think is so important. I think it's, um, and, and not everybody understands this or, or knows this, but, um, when we put together, um, this regional instructor program, um, we launched it in 2013 was the first year that we put it together. We invited a bunch of individuals in and we, we ventured down this road of building a program that would allow us to spread our wings and expand training beyond the traditional seven to nine classes here in St. Louis every year. And we did that and we pulled in some great people. One of the most important rules that we put in place right up front, and I feel it's important to avoid any sort of potential conflict or bias or perceived um, perceived issues from the instructor. We wanted to make sure that whoever was an instructor was not employed by a manufacturer, was not, you know, carrying the torch of, of one product over another. And um, that ultimately was, was why, you know, you worked as a regional instructor for us for, you know, a little over a year. And um, when you took the position with Duraseal, I think you knew right off the bat that, that was a decision that you had to make and it was a great decision. But unfortunately from us, from our perspective, from our point, we lost a great instructor. Um, that said, we, we still knew that we had you there as an instructor at our schools representing a manufacturer, just not as a regional lead instructor. Um, what was that transition like for you going from being out there, being your own company, you know, walk on wood and being a regional instructor and, and being more free on your own to now working for a very well-known Finnish manufacturer. Yeah, it was, it was a tough transition for sure. There was a lot of big changes that happened. So to kind of go over a few of them, um, like you said, when you have your own business, you're kind of free to make your own choices, but you have to live with those choices too. It's not just, Hey, I think I'll take a month off and nothing bad will happen. You know, you didn't get any work done in that month now. So it's not all, um, just do whatever you want as anybody who's had their own company knows, you know, self-employed people often work longer and harder than people with set jobs. Um, and I know for myself, I certainly did plenty of 60, 70, 80 hour weeks, you know, as necessary. Um, and you know, reap the benefits of that as well. So, Transitioning to a manufacturer, um, I, I kind of joked because about a couple weeks in, I woke up one morning and I didn't feel anything. And I thought that was weird. And I finally realized that what I didn't feel was I didn't hurt. Nothing was hurting. And I thought maybe I was dead. So it took me a minute <laughs> to sit up and, and realize that, that I was okay. But my body had stopped hurting from not doing the work because I had consistently done floors for 
basically 21 years. Um, right. So that was kind of an interesting um, feeling to not have that. Shortly after that, I started to hurt again with all the little injuries that had compiled over the years that I hadn't noticed. So my back started to hurt again and my knees kind of started to hurt. My hips kind of hurt. Uh, that wasn't from the use. It was from not using them anymore. Um, so on the personal side, I no longer had to work weekends, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, you know, those, those six and seven work days of the week suddenly became days off. And that was great because I could spend time with my son and, you know, work on personal stuff that I had neglected for years and years. Um, so that part was great. Um, answering to, uh, you know, a boss was, was fine for me. I, I didn't mind at all because even though I had my own, my own company for a long time, I, I answered myself and I was a pretty tough boss on myself. <laughs> so it really wasn't a big transition to have somebody checking in and asking what I did that day or that week or that month. Um, I didn't mind it. You know, it gave me some accountability to, um, you know, to have an answer, an answer to that, you know, what had I actually done? And so I, I didn't mind that transition getting farther into it. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed working for a manufacturer and obviously my experience with working for manufacturers exactly one Duracell. Um, so I can't speak for any others, but my, um, my journey has been good. Duracell is of course, part of a bigger, much bigger corporation, Sherwin Williams, um, which is just huge, uh, corporate. And so we're just really a tiny speck in that, but it's been interesting to be part of that larger Sherwin world and see the opportunities that are available there as well. So I had never really considered that. Um, when I took the job with Duracell in my head, I was going to work for Duracell, but really it's, you know, it's, it's a much bigger company than that. So that's a, that's a really good point. And that kind of leads to another question I wanted to ask you was, what was there when you made that transition, when you got in, you, you know, your eyes were opened up to the giant world of a corporate corporate world, uh, being a large company like Sherwin Williams, was there anything in specific that 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 jumped at you um, that you didn't expect when you took this job? Um, what I didn't expect was other opportunities within the company. Um, if you had asked me on day one with Duracy what my skill set was, I'd say I'm pretty good with wood floors. That was the end of the list. But what Sherwin looks at is a much greater um, type of skill set. In other words, I can stand in front of people and speak. I can teach, I can train, I, you know, I have moderate computer skills, nothing special there, but, you know, I have a much greater skill set from their point of view. They're not looking for wood floor people. They're looking for people that can help their business. So, right. you know, the, the being pretty good with wood floors is just one, one little notch on the belt for my skill set. Yeah. And that's huge, but that's a part of that notch. That's a part of what you bring to the table that really makes you unique, I think, in, in that position and what you're doing. Sure. If there were some advice that you could give yourself when you were a contractor every day, plowing in floors, finishing floors, not not knowing what the future held, but if you were able to go back, and let's say it's either telling yourself back then or maybe another apprentice that's in your shoes today, is there any advice you would give them Um in terms of their future in this trade, obviously with everything that you just mentioned about back and knees and pain and, and all of that stuff that comes along with doing it for 25 years. Um, is there anything in specific that you would share with somebody to, to help guide them down the right path? 
Yeah, a couple things, I think, for sure. The first being protect yourself. Uh, and by that, I mean, wear a dust mask, wear a respirator, wear knee pads. Um, nobody else is going to do that for you. You know, your company might have a policy, but at the end of the day, you're the one who's going to have the sore knees, the sore back, the, the lungs that are damaged, things like that. So 100% starting on day one, protect yourself, you know, make it your responsibility to do that. The other thing is, um, you know, think big picture, and this is whether you're an employee or a business owner, and that is think long-term toward your retirement, you know, start putting the money away now, not, not tomorrow, now. And you know, people can say, well, I never did it for the last 10 years. That doesn't matter. Start now. You know, now is much better than starting next year. Um, and I can't stress that enough. I was lucky enough to start doing that relatively early. I wish I had started earlier, but I didn't. So there's no point in crying about that. But um, yeah, I think that th those two things would be the absolute key. And then the, the third is, you know, regarding your standing in the industry is all we really have to fall back on, you know, when looking for a new job or new opportunity is who we are and how we've represented ourselves. So um, if you're on social media making inflammatory comments or doing them in person or going to convention and, you know, being the guy that stands out in a bad way, manufacturers, NWFA, other people are going to remember that. So, um, you know, I think it's important to be true to yourself and um, remember that someday you might be looking for a job on the industry side. So no kidding. That's perfect. I mean, I can tell you, and all of that is so true, but on your last note, you know, my daughter's applying for colleges right now. And one of the questions on some of these applications is what's your Instagram account? What's your, <laughs> your Snapchat account? They want to know so they can take a look. And I mean, everything you do and say can be, it's discoverable. So yep. I, I love that advice. I just want to go down a, a different road with you, similar to the advice that you just gave, and that's take care of yourself. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, when I stepped out of doing floors every single day, at that point, my back was strong, my legs were strong, my knees were strong, and like you, um, a little bit of time away, and they became weak, and and I had to start supplementing my physical exercise which I hadn't had to do for years because every day was a, a an exercise, a heavy-duty exercise, whether I was installing or finishing a floor. Um, I know you've gone down the path of um, competitive weight training since since getting off of your knees and, 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 and out of the day-to-day -day installation. Um, can you talk a little bit about the path you've taken into um, your weight training, your health, what you do today? Sure. So um, I've lifted most of my life, um, starting in my early 20s and continuing through my early 30s for sure. It was really when my son was born. And again, this ties in pretty perfectly with uh, my timing with NWFA. So as we were leading up to him being born, I focused more and more on my business. Um, and I let that part go. You know, I quit lifting for a number of years. Um, and thus, like the timing with NWFA. Um, that's when I wasn't lifting when I was getting started with NWFA. So once I stopped contracting, that freed up my time to where I could get back into lifting. And I did so with a renewed passion because I always loved it. Um, and one of my good buddies from high school is a, an extremely elite level bench presser. You know, he's like a top 60 ever in the world. So he wow. invited me to come train him. And I did that and kind of got hooked on the powerlifting aspect, you know, training specifically for strength. So this is different than 
bodybuilding, which is training for appearance or, um, like Olympic lifting is, you know, more of a technique type of lifting where powerlifting is just the big three lifts, squat, bench press, and deadlift. And so that's what I've been training for the last three years or so and getting into the competitive side of it as well. And in doing so, you know, I mean, my back is stronger than ever and my legs are stronger than ever. You know, I, I feel good uh, most of the time. You know, I've, of course, started accumulating some new lifting injuries as well. But luckily, thus far, they've been relatively minor and I've been able to work around my previous flooring injuries but yeah you have to find something to stay physically active um if you just sit on the couch or sit at your desk uh you know doing an office job you're gonna your health's gonna decline from that you have to you have to do something to stay physically active that's uh, is is there anything that that um prohibits you or or maybe you wake up one day and you say you know what i don't think i want to lift today um does that happen i mean you're you're at the I would consider you to be more at the the upper end, the high end of of somebody who's training. What do you do to overcome that little voice in your head that says, "Not today"? It's it's rare that I don't want to lift. You know, in other words, like mentally not want to lift. Um, sometimes when injuries, things like that, you know, start to happen, I actually have a uh, a coach now, so I'll talk to him and describe the pain and the injury that I'm experiencing. And he can usually see it in my lifts. Like he rarely wants my my feedback on the lifts. He can see everything he needs to in the videos that I send him. So he doesn't care how it felt. In other words, he just he can see what he needs to. But with injuries, it's a little different because I'm if I'm th- through pain, you know, we don't want injuries to get worse. So he may tell me to take a couple extra days off or things like that, which really, quite honestly, annoys me. But I do it because that's what I'm paying him for. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's. Very rarely do I just wake up and say, hey, I'm not going to do my scheduled lifting today um, unless it's due to an injury or uh, like work schedule type of stuff. You know, sometimes work gets in the way of that. And of course, that takes priority. And you're and you're competing. Is that right? Yes, um, I did five uh, bench press only competitions last year and I was supposed to do my first full power this spring. Um, but uh, it kind of in the way of that. It, the, the meet was actually the, the week that everything locked down, so that didn't happen. So, um, the Bench Press World Championships in about five weeks, and six weeks after that, I'll be doing the Raw Power Challenge, which is a which will be my first full power meet. Wow, World Championship Bench Press. Yep. <laughs> I would ask you how much you bench press, but I don't need to feel like super little this Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> we can skip that conversation. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Toby, I, uh, I, I look up to you and, and, um, I, I truly appreciate what you bring the industry. I, it, it's, it has been a great thing to see you grow into this industry. And I say that just as a peer, not that you had much to grow into, but you really have grown into this industry and become a true leader in this industry. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you bring the industry. Um, is there anything else that you'd love to share? You'd like to share with, uh, with, with anybody regarding where you've been, what you've done and, and maybe where you see the industry going. Yeah. You know, what you just said at the end there kind of sparked something that, um, about what younger contractors should be focusing on and looking to do. And that's find a mentor, find someone that you look up to that can help guide your path, whether it's on the craftsmanship side the business side, even the personal side. This this isn't really just about hardwood floors. This is finding somebody that you can ask questions to about life, if necessary. Um, 
people from the business side, you know, Chris Zizza, who I met at Surfaces, like you said, um, and I think 2013, um, he was fantastic for me in helping push me along on the business side of things. You know, on the craftsmanship side, you have guys like Jason Alquest and Lenny Hall and uh, Avi Dodd, you know, that like really opened my eyes to what you could create on a wood floor. You know, I don't think I'm super imaginative. I think I'm pretty good at math and I'm pretty good at the geometry side, but I don't have the imagination that some of these guys do and they, or the artistic talent, you know, they, they just have that ability to think of it and create it where I'm more like, show me what you want and I'll create it, you know, but they really helped push me along on breaking down the, the barriers I'd set for myself. Like, Oh, that's too hard. I can't do that. And, you know, they kind of showed me how to just kick those down and move along. But that's something that I think you can't overstate the importance of um, finding somebody that's, that's good at any aspect that you need help with and being humble enough to ask him for that help um, and, you know, using it to self-improve. And that's so true. I think it's, uh, I mean, that's, that's really the key being willing and being open and, and knowing that that resource is out there. There's so many people in this industry, you named a few, but there's so many people in this industry that are, just thrive on the idea of helping somebody in this industry. Um, so no, I, I appreciate that. I think that's a great, a great uh, piece of advice. Well, Toby, thank you again. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you taking the time to talk a little bit about your history and, and uh, you know, where you've been, where you've gone, where you're going and, uh, and your, your role in this industry. So um, yeah, thanks again. And, and we look forward to talking to you soon at hopefully one of our schools and or expo coming up you're welcome thanks brad i appreciate it perfect thanks toby